in the 70s, all the European Cups, you had the quiet genius of Bob Paisley. The 80s, uh, Ronnie Moran and the team of the decade, Hanson, Lawrenson, Neil, um, Dermot, um, Keegan. Um, When was the last time you spoke to Kevin Keegan? Before lockdown, I was at the function somewhere and he was there. I know I hadn't seen him for ages. Actually, I think, I'll tell a line, I think it was Brian Hall's funeral. I know that was the last time I actually saw him. I thought the duo I was at was before that, but I know, uh, you know, it was like afterwards, you all gathered around, you know, catching mm-hmm. up on all acquaintances and friends. And uh, I called him. I, I, I remember saying to him, you, he's looking at me, just, I know you're somewhere. And I said, I told him, I reminded him that we both started at Anfield the same day. And he said, oh, oh, yeah, of course. And then a couple of minutes later, he came over to me. He said, hang on. Are you still there? And I said, yes, Kevin. But I think you did slightly better out of it than I did. <laughs> but and off you went. Um, lovely, but I'll always have an awful lot of time for Kevin Keegan. It's often um, forgotten he was the footballer of the year. He moved to Hamburg and became yeah. Garlanded. He was in the same class as Platini and maybe not quite Cruyff. Right. But like Lampard, like Gerard, worked really hard. Uh, he had the famous perm. Uh, and he marketed himself really well. He was everywhere. Yeah. And we're also celebrating 25 years since the collapse at Newcastle. Were you, were you at those four threes against oh, yes. Newcastle? Just extraordinary. Yes. I remember vividly because they were on Sky Sports and I was very young and I watched both those four threes. I've actually got them mixed up. I, I don't know which one had Barnes Rush Collymore and which one had, is it Fowler? No, neither do I without looking it up, but I know... Yeah, we remember the second one. We were thinking it couldn't happen again, could it? And it did. They were the most amazing football matches. And it's you know the old uh, cliche that for the TV people, it's it's priceless. It's absolutely pure gold. If you're not a neutral, if you're a fan of either side, it's horrendous to actually watch. Obviously, we were happy we won. I wasn't happy that we probably destroyed. Newcastle's chances of taking the league and uh, obviously that was the era of the famous um, brands by Kevin on TV when he was going on about Sir Alex and how he'd love to you know, win the league above them and you know, of course all these years later Newcastle still hadn't won anything but mm-hmm. um, that's, that's one of the great mysteries of football, the fan base you know, the stadium, the setup they've got but Sadly, they're lumbered with an owner who's um, really never going to do anything for them. I used to feel sorry for Rafa because he, you know, they, I think they still admire him up there. He was, he tried his best to turn them around, and he just, you know, he just wasn't getting the backing at all. And in the end, he got fed up. Extraordinary European Cup winning Rafa Benitez, who still lives locally. Does he live near you? Uh, no, he lives on the far side of uh, the River Mersey, on uh, uh, the far side of the Willow. Um, but I know he's, still, he's there at the moment. So he's obviously he's home from China, deciding where to go next. I keep hearing stories. But, uh, the latest one I heard was he was off to Turkey. Mm. But well, I'd, I'd be very upset if that happened. I'd like to see him back in the Premier League. We, uh, I, I was, thought... Watford would go in for him because he managed Valencia and the current Watford manager, Zisco, was a player at Valencia. But yeah. I don't think Zisco will cut it in the Premier League. So I think 
uh, Gino Pozzo should call master tactician and self-proclaimed football nerd Rafa Benitez and say, hey, do you fancy coming to London Colney? And of course, Rafa will say, yeah, but Farhad Moshiri's been in touch and he's got given me a budget of phenomenal millions of pounds. We're talking on the 10th of June. So there's every chance that by the time this goes out, the last week of June, uh, Rafa will take the local job. And I don't think it'll be that controversial if Liverpool no, manager no. Benitez goes to manage Everton because he's, he's beloved by the whole city. He's one of football's nice guys. And I, I know, I've, let me think, it must have been the summer of 2019. 20, yeah, 2019, he came to a charity run at uh, Stanley Park. Uh, they have this run for the 96 every year. Well, except last year, obviously. And he turned up out of the blue and... Um, yeah, we had a good old chin wag and then we went in the hospitality tent after the race had started for a cup of tea and a biscuit and whatever. And um, I called him and said, Rafa, will you come and say hello to my wife? She's a big fan, Robert. And my wife, was, uh, she'd just come along for the ride and uh, she'd been walking the dog around the park while I was doing what I had to do. And then he came over and shook a hand and I didn't get a word in edgeways after he and my wife just talking about dogs. He's got three dogs. Yes, I know. He, he put it in an article. He's been walking his dogs recently, yeah. It's something about football managers. I know Jürgen is notorious round Thornby for walking the dog on a Sunday morning and uh, going to watch a junior football. You know, there's several stories in here that you know, mums and dads on the touchline and there's uh, vaguely aware of a dog walk who stopped behind them and when they turn around it's, it's yoga and well he's hard to up. miss it's about six foot yeah, six yeah he's a big lad yeah um where do you get your news for liverpool football club because well I, i'm sure this is a stupid question because you work there but during the week yeah. which news sources do you go to because liverpool is very well oh, covered when yeah. it comes to online and hard print news yeah whatever it is obviously like a lot of people on social media i get bombarded with certain thing. The Liverpool Echo posts things on my timeline. To be honest, I don't take much notice. I, there are one or two people I know who will tell me if there's anything important going on who I can trust. Um, but if, again, if you read news, news headlines online and on the, the physical papers, they, you can see the same topic being reported in five different ways, in five different media. I think the, the most reliable source of decent information is uh, the online site The Athletic because the guys who work for The Athletic include two or three ex-Liverpool Echo journalists yeah, who, I, uh, yeah, who I uh, James Pierce yeah. you know, uh, is one name that strings to mind if he if he'd said came in now and said today's Sunday I believe him he's got his eyes uh, open his ear to the ground got contact everywhere and he, he really he really knows what's going on. I know years ago the um, a friend of mine who used to work in match control who's now no longer on the staff wasn't friends with um, one of the stewards of the, the training ground and he used to get advance notice of what was going on, you know, before anything ever got near the newspapers. He would uh, his mate would ring him up and say, Listen, I've just seen so and so going to see the manager, uh, he's, he looks like they're signing him, or I've just heard that so-and-so is going to get the push. And, 
you, you'd know it was true. But I know that morning when uh, Roy Hodgson got uh, sacked and Kenny Dalglish came back, I was in my room at Anfield. But, uh, I think we had a youth cup match then. I had Sky TV on one of my screens. What they were saying was true, but we, they were saying things an hour after I'd been told by this this guy who was phoning through to his mate in the math control room. It was, it was so funny. And, um, you know, we, we knew that Kenny was coming back and Roy was going away. So, you know, even an hour after that, there were the, uh, the Sky reports were saying there was nothing happening yet. And we were laughing because we said, we knew it had happened, and uh, you know, we get Kenny back as manager, which was you know, caused a great deal of delight at that moment. I have read Kenny's autobiography. I had the cassette, which is read by Peter Capaldi of all people. So, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, the Hillsborough disaster, because I'm very young, I was one. But the Hillsborough disaster is linked with Peter Capaldi's telling of Kenny Dalglish's recollections, yeah. and from a human cost of it what Kenny had to go through as the manager of Liverpool in 1989, the club having been through something in 1985 with Heysel. It's no wonder that he became exhausted of it. Um, oh, in your book, The Voice of Anfield, I suppose you have to cover Heysel and Hillsborough because they are yeah. pivotal events, not just for Liverpool, but for British football, uh, which has led to fans um, watching in all-seater stadiums. You say that it's like That's an on-off right. switch when people crowd into the ground uh, yeah. in a 20-minute period before the game, whereas you had to get in early to reserve your spot on the terraces. There's not really a question there, but um, how do you think um, history in 50 years' time will remember that period of British football where Liverpool was so far ahead of everyone else and yet couldn't compete in European competition for six years? Well, I just hope they reflect on it truthfully because... Um, obviously, the fallout from Hillsborough uh, has been, well, it still is horrendous. It's only last week that the, the families have their gagging orders removed so they can start uh, commenting publicly on what, what would happen. Uh, I know for the last, well, a couple of years, we've all been told to keep quiet while trials are going on, but now that uh, Duckingfield's been somehow found not guilty after the inquest and, you know, the people were unlawfully killed. And this last week, obviously, uh, three guys got off having altered police statements. Uh, and the, the end of the road has come. We've got the truth, but we never got the justice, and I don't suppose we will now. But that's been a public ongoing discussion, but high school still rankles with me. I, I quite often have the same conversation about Heisel. I'll be talking to people and I'll say to them, excuse me, were you there? And they say no. And I'll say, well, I was. I was in the thick of it. I know what happened. I saw what happened. And I will absolutely refuse to lay the blame at Liverpool's door. I always will. Even now, you have these, the morons that like to populate uh, social media and uh, bring out the old chestnuts about Liverpool murderers and the rest of it. It's just not true. That was, you know, Heisel was a, a disaster waiting to happen, which yeah. just happened to be us. But, uh, like the Bradford Fire, Hillsborough could have happened in 88. 
It's on and on and on and on and on. Uh, Ibrox, you had the fire. But fortunately, we're now in this age where Liverpool can uh, shine themselves as a global brand led by the brilliant John W. Henry, who up until April, it was flawless. Uh, And then he had a touch of the Hicks and Gillette's boo. Um, What happens now after the we've got it wrong, sorry about the ESL? Not rubbish. I mean, it's it, atrocious, atrocious betrayal. When you've got your captain Hendo um, saying, "Come on, we're not having this. Something has gone seriously wrong," and I know that you can't comment on the owners, which is why I'm asking you, what happens next to rebuild the trust? Well, I was going to say, knows what he's doing. That was obviously an error of judgment, which I think they've all held their hands up and said, "You know, okay, we got that one wrong." If Liverpool get back on track next year, next season, uh, I think people will gradually, you know, mm-hmm. push the European Super League under the carpet and you know get get on with it. We need to get uh, the signings in that Jurgen thinks he needs. Uh, with our recent history of uh, buying players, has been fantastic, and if we can keep that going, great. And that means that. You know, more than once, uh, John Henry, FSG are going to have to put their hands in their pockets where they might not want to. And uh, if Liverpool can get back to the sun where we were two years ago, um, I think you know the the more time goes on, the more people will be happy with you know what's going on and what they've got. But obviously, we just have the plan, the plans in to extend the place at Hampton Road M. Well, it would be good to have a stadium with over 60,000 seats in it. Um, you know, with a bit of luck, this, the whole place should be buzzing again. This, this last 15 months has been an absolute lot on the landscape. I mean, not just COVID, but the way the season went. Um, Virgil being crippled early on in the season uh, was you know, obviously the turning point. And we've all these years, I've never known anything remotely like the injury situation we've had. And, you know, along the way, we say, Jürgen's mum died, Alison's father died, and um, only one player, but I can imagine the atmosphere in the dressing room uh, while all that was going on. It, it just no way we were going to you know, get through that without having our collective form destroyed, never mind upset, and we've, we've done well, really done well to get back into uh, the top four and into the Champions League. Now we're in the Champions League again. There'll be no problem with players we're after uh, not wanting to come to Liverpool because they've got ambition to play in the Champions League. Uh, in spite of what Jürgen says, he, he says he wouldn't want players who are only coming to Liverpool to play in the Champions League. And that's true, but uh, I'm sure at the back of some people's minds, it, it might have been the uh, the thing that directed them to one club rather than uh, coming to Anfield. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we, we need some good luck. We've had rotten bad luck for 15 months now, and we got through it. You're getting me out of watching Matt Hancock this morning, who presided over, allegedly, but he did preside over the care home debacle. And there may be lots of Liverpool fans caught up in it. Um, But just going to uh, James Pearce in The Athletic, 
Uh, he's written a piece saying Origi, Wilson, Grujic, Shakiri, Minamino, Ojo, Karius, Awonigi, Woodburn and Millar are all up for sale. So you've got to shift all of them. Konate has come in uh, to play yeah. with Van Dyke, which means Gomez might not get much football, but he, is, he has glass hamstrings. Uh, you've got the yeah. great Andy Robertson at left back, who never gives up. And then, of course, next week as we speak, England against Scotland. Robertson will come up against some top Liverpool talent in that uh, England so, side. Well, yeah, that, that's going to be quite something. I always worry when players, even going back to when I was watching boys football, I've, historically players up against their regular teammates always seem to uh, try and prove themselves in some sort of different way. There's no quarter asked or given no, I just hope we all get through the uh, the tournament in one piece. But as yeah. you say, they, uh, there's a lot of players going out. Uh, I'm I'm at the money at the moment worried about Nat Phillips because I I think he's the shoe in to play alongside Virgil next season. Um, I do hope he, you know he doesn't. He's not upset by the situation because you know he's he's made his own mark on Liverpool this season. When he came in, you know, he, you know, his recent history was crazy. He'd been playing in non-league and the whole shooting match, and uh, by the end of the season, he's a superstar. And I just hope they they sign him up. Gomez, uh, at least he can play elsewhere. If anything happens to Trent, uh, he can play right back. Um, Matty, I just don't know. What's going to happen to him is he was the sort of third choice centre back. I think he's probably fourth or fifth now. Mm. To be quite honest, but um, he's well advised. He's the son of Jimmy Phillips. I spoke to Four Four Two's editor, Chris, uh, feature editor Chris Flanagan, who told me all about the greatness of Jimmy Phillips. Yeah. So if you're going into the family business, it may be that a loan deal to someone like Bolton, someone like Watford, will help yeah, him. Yeah. But then he'll be a squad player in a team who are playing in the Champions League. So. It's up to him, and of course, Jurgen will be saying, "Wow, the nature of Liverpool, with especially with old man Milner there, um, is is wonderful." Mr. Dependable. Correct. Um, you will be celebrating your fiftieth anniversary in August. Um, Peter Robinson read your on-spec application, gave you a trial that has lasted fifty years, and you were yeah. the man who your your job starts two hours before kickoff when you start a playlist of anthems and scouse tunes if i were to yeah. ask you aside from the carousel song which tune always gives you a boost when you play it in your pre-match entertainment what would it be oh well there's two or three candidates but primarily one is half as big as liverpool um for selfish reasons i mean i'm actually in the video for that, that song which is if you can find it quite early, you can, um, uh, you can just barely catch me at the back of the uh, the heavenly choir singing behind Pete Wiley. Oh. But then the things that the Anfield Collective did, He Ain't Heavy, which was obviously the Christmas number one, is it 2013? Yeah. And then the other one, uh, The Fields of Anfield Road, both uh, of which I had a hand in promoting at least. He ain't heavy that got to number one. That was a, a weird moment in my life. As I say, the last 50 years have been a succession of very surreal events. 
Um, but that one was the, uh, you know, top of the pile because I, I got a, a phone call from Steve Rotherham, who is now the the mayor, the regional city, uh, metro you know, mayor. The, yeah. Metro mayor told me that was he's sending me over a press release, which was embargoed till the following night, and they were recruiting people to play on this record. A couple of weeks later, I got a couple of white label demo copies of The Ain't Heavy. And obviously, I was playing it to death for the next uh, couple of months up, in, up till Christmas. And then uh, the week of Christmas, for the first time ever, I'm sitting by my radio hoping that our, our record is going to be number one. Great Christmas. production. Really good production. Yeah, really good version. Fantastic. Everyone is everyone then, on it. Yeah, but then after Christmas, I bought a couple of copies of the CD. Actually, you can see, uh, hang on, wrong shoulder. Uh, that's the seven-inch red vinyl version. I've got two uh, two copies of it in a Ooh. frame. But the I bought the CD and didn't take the shrink wrapping off because obviously I didn't need to. But I just bought the CD. Matter of principle, I thought I got you know, chips and money in as well. And my son phoned me up. Uh, he said, have you seen the the, uh, the sleeve of that CD? I said, well, no, I've never, uh, never unwrapped it, no need to, because I've got the white label demos. And he said, well, did you know you're in there? I said, no. Well, then I, I did unwrap one. And lo and behold, there I am in the credits next to Paul McCartney, which was another surreal moment. And I know my granddaughter down in uh, Crawley went back to school after Christmas. And when everybody say, what do you do for Christmas? And she pipes up, oh, my, my granddad had the number one Christmas single. <laughs> but uh, I put her street cred up quite considerably yeah. that year. 2012 uh, featured Rebecca Ferguson and I think John Bishop's in it. There's Robbie yeah. Williams. And I will, in fact, uh, play that song in a minute. But in order to finish this show, uh, I would like to play... Uh, because I found it. The video is titled Goosebump, spine-tingling rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone by Liverpool fans and players. June the 1st, 2019, one of the worst matches I've ever watched. There was a goal in the first minute and a goal in the last. Liverpool yeah. took European Cup number seven. Uh, my brother was watching at White Hart Lane and it was. I said, well, you must have enjoyed it for about 34 seconds. Um, but yeah. You'll, you'll never walk alone, a tune that I know Dortmund fans have taken to heart as well. Uh, but you were yes. the one who would play it as the teams were read out and then Benitez said, no, we need it to cheer up the players as they walk out the tunnel. Yeah. And I, I had experienced this because you fade down the chorus and then the fans sing a cappella. And it's, that's the thing that I think fans in San Francisco, Sydney, want to experience. Over and over again, it's not a song anymore, it's a hymn. Yeah. It, it's just part of what Liverpool does and now the sad thing is now of course it, every time you sing it it's a memorial to Paul Jerry who we lost it just after Christmas but a lot of people used to uh, message me saying play it out you never walk alone so we can you know take it over uh, which I, I quite often did anyway and then for a while you know, I did that and then I started getting messages saying no no why are you fading it out leaving running. I got so fed up, I did actually say on uh, Twitter, I think it was one day, look, just make your mind up. My preference is to fade it, but if you all come back to me, say, no, 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 don't fade it. 
that's that's the way it goes. I'll I'll take your word. But the vast vast majority said, "Yeah, fade it," and um, that's what we've you know we've been doing ever since. I would and suggest we're we're talking in the week of portraits of the Queen being pulled off a wall, and that's where our funny little island are. I'm fourth generation East European Jew, so I'm just here on business. Um, yeah. But yes, you go back to the Doomsday Book. But if God Save the Queen or God Save the King gets demoted, I would suggest you'll never walk alone, which is, yeah. Yes. It's, it's the best song Paul McCartney never wrote. Uh, and Jerry Marsden is uh, probably more Scouse than Macca. Um, I wanted yeah. to mention the other great Liverpudlian DJ, John Ravenscroft. Have you come across John Peel before he passed away? Oh, yes. I've it was about three weeks before he, he went off to Peru and had his heart attack. Mm. I got um, a message from him uh, inviting me to his house in uh, Suffolk. Uh, we got to know each other quite well uh, over the last few years because he he got involved with um, the Pickett Music Venue in Liverpool. And then uh, when I met him when that place opened in uh, I saw him at Anfield a few times. I'm still in touch with Sheila. Good. Even now, you know, she's a lovely lady. And um, I know a couple of years ago, I got tickets for Sheila and her grandson uh, and her daughter to come to Anfield. And she she said to me, look, I'm you know, so grateful you managed to get these tickets. And I said, no, look, this is John Peel's, the great John Peel's grandson coming to his first game. And I got in the tickets to get in. I should be thanking you for giving me the chance to do that. Mm. John was a lovely, lovely man. Uh, I say, I know I was in work the morning. The news flash came up. He, he died in. I was uh, in Rome, South America. Two thousand, two thousand and four. Yes, long time ago now. But um, I was all about. He was you know, one of the great men. I, he said so. I remember he said something on, on air one night. He, he had a uh, locket with some blades of grass, Manfield, and it, it, I think the chain had broken and he'd lost it. Mm. And the next night, I was going around the edge of the pitch to my room, and uh, I stopped and pretended to be tying my shoelaces. And I got a handful of grass, quickly shoved it in my pocket, and I sent it to him. And I, you know. The, the message I got from him then was fantastic. And I've still got uh, a Christmas card in a little folder here. You know, a happy Christmas from uh, John and the family. A little note along the, the bottom saying that mine was the only other job he'd ever wanted. <laughs> and uh, I thought, that's, that's priceless. That's utterly priceless. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I'm, I was too young, and whenever I turned on, it was either Happy Hardcore or Ragger, which are, neither of which are genres that I have anything to do with. Bundu Boys, I can do Bundu Boys, and uh, the kind of thing that Andy Kershaw plays. But yeah, John Peel, one of the celebrity Liverpool fans who you, George Sefton, have yeah. come across uh, in your time yes. as the Voice of Anfield. There is a book that you can get. There's a Twitter handle, Voice of Anfield. Uh, why not join Trent Alexander-Arnold and follow that account? Um, the 2021-22 season starts. We hope that there will be fans yes. back in the stadium. Uh, first, second or third, where are Liverpool going to finish next year? First. The correct answer. And hopefully we will be hearing this song 
again. So I will, in the John Peel style, fade up the You'll Never Walk Alone uh, from 2019 and then segue that into the George Sefton featuring Justice Collective uh, with He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. And there are some other lads there as well. So thank you, George Sefton, for stopping by to the Football Library. Enjoy the Euros. And hopefully I'll come up to Anfield with all the people from Singapore and Sydney and Sefton with an F very soon. Thank you, Johnny. My pleasure.
It's a long, long 